James O'Farron, and with me is Ravi Timi. And this is the first episode of our new podcast, and we're going to be talking about awesome things because we're awesome people, and we hope that you'll be awesome people and uh, hang out with us for a little while. This uh, first episode, we're going to be kind of talking about who we are, why we are, why are we, are we really, actually, never mind, we're going to skip that last part because we kind of want to avoid solipsism during our recreational existential crisis. Yes, existential crises are to be avoided. Yes, as much as possible, <clears throat> but you never know how that's going to work out, particularly with us around. But uh, so we're going to give a little bit of an introduction, how we're going to do things, and a little bit of introduction to ourselves and why you should have fun or would have fun joining us in our journey together in this uh, experiment of a podcast. See, we're both Christians, we're both nerds, and we both love God and figuring out how he wants us to live our lives. And, and we both tend to say both with an L in it, both. <laughs> Anywho, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have very interesting idiosyncrasies in our verbiage as well. I kind of can blame that on my homeschooled heritage, as can Ravi, though we have a few differences. So I'll, I'll walk through kind of my background, and then Ravi can walk through his, and we can commiserate on our mutual weirdness. I'm, like I said, homeschooled, oldest of eight. I grew up really, really, really sheltered. Um, cloistered might even be a better word for it. I've kind of, re <laughs> I've gone through medial training, <laughs> and I'm very unsheltered now. At least I think I am. And I have kind of broadened my horizons in what I look at, what I explore, because I tend to be driven primarily through curiosity. That's kind of my shtick. And I grew up as a fundamental, independent, Bible-thumping, pulpit-throwing, literally, it actually does happen, Baptist. Which is why Baptists don't sit in the front row, because you never know whether you're going to get hit by a pulpit or spittle. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up, through one of those circumstances, kind of exploring and checked out a few other different denominations. I've been part of Messianic congregations, uh, Coptic Orthodox, I explored for a while. Um, Assemblies of God, been with a bunch of different ones. And I realized that as long as you're actually a Christian, you're a Christian. And that's the important thing. And there's a lot of other important things as well, which is what we're going to be exploring and trying to understand exactly what truth is and how it works in with theology and doctrine and why it's important to study those and why it's not important to fight about them. Unless you, you know, are mutually agreed to fight about it, in which case is totally fine. That's a lot of fun. Sometimes recreational fights are awesome. Absolutely. In fact, <laughs> Ravi and I met each other through martial arts, so yes. we both have good experience with fighting with each other amicably. Yes. <laughs> which we will be privy to, because that is one thing we want to do here, is not just have an echo chamber where we're just kind of agreeing with each other the whole time, but we're going to disagree on things. That's just going to happen. And we kind of want to exemplify agreeable disagreement and what that looks like and how to learn from each other because we both we were just actually talking about this before we started the podcast we both learn through talking out loud yes we learn through communication through expressing ideas to each other and playing basically verbal ping pong to establish what we understand and be able to explain it rightly 
So that's kind of part of the idea of the podcast is that we'll work off of each other to be able to better explain and hopefully help you all learn how to think and maybe just learn some new ways of thinking about stuff. So, And not just thinking about things. One of the other things about this, why we call it orthopraxis, is we want to learn how to think properly about how to live properly, how to make things practical because we have, there's a lot of podcasts out there of people just talking about thinking and they kind of get stuck in ivory towers and we want to kind of clamber out of the ivory tower and have fun and romping in the real world. This is true. Yeah, so the idea behind... The name orthopraxis was that in a lot of, at least on my part, in a lot of Paul's epistles especially, he'll start out and he'll start out with the orthodoxy where he talks about who you are, what Christ has done. He talks, starts out with the background information and he teaches you who you are, who God is, all that kind of stuff. And then the second half of the book, he changes and he changes over to orthopraxy or right doing. So he goes from right doctrine to right doing. And then he talks about because you are X, Y, and Z, therefore you should live in this way or in this manner. And so that's what we wanted to talk about was because we are both Christians, we both love the Lord, and we both enjoy learning and exploring life. How do we go about doing that in a way that glorifies God? How do we go about looking at different things that we do and doing different things in a way to grow and to hopefully bring you along with us on this journey? Yeah, because life is, tends to be more enjoyable when you're doing it the right way. And when you're doing it together. Exactly. <laughs> so, what about you, Ravi? Where's your background? Okay, so I'm Ravi. I was home-teached as well. <laughs> um, same, similar idea, slightly less sheltered than James, apparently. Um, we would occasionally hang out at our grandma's house and watch movies and then that kind of stuff. But And we had slightly less rules. I could play c- computer games, like, once Com- a week. You got, you got to play computer games? Yes, which are definitely of the devil. And I know what drums are. That's the thing. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> I'm the second oldest out of 13 kids. So I have an older brother and then a whole lot of older, younger siblings. Um, what else? Oh, uh, Plymouth Brethren, which is kind of like elder-led Baptist. We're the biblical form of Baptist. So, ha. Ha. <laughs> Anywho. But we always sat in the front because nobody threw a pulpit at us because they were always too big for them to move. <laughs> he was a really big Baptist. <laughs> really big Baptist, very small churches. Very awkward. Anywho. <laughs> so, yeah. Grew up, lived in Southern California for most of my growing up life until I was like 11 or 12. And then we moved up to out here to rural Washington. So kind of a big shift from downtown to rural. So that was interesting meeting a bunch of people who were like us because during the first half of our life, we knew nobody who homeschooled or was like (laughs) us. Really? We were the weirdos and now we're the weirdos, but there are other weirdos who enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Like me. A la James. (laughs) Yeah, actually, that was one thing I forgot is that, yeah, my family grew up here in Washington originally, kind of country people, and then we actually moved to Ireland like about a decade ago, and so my whole family's over there. I'm back stuck over here stateside, and what's interesting is, is that people tend to ask us, what was that like? What was like moving from America to Ireland? What was the, what was the culture shock like? And our family was so, 
so insular, <laughs> so much having our own culture that we, I, we always joke that we, we didn't really get shocked by the culture. We just changed what culture we were shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I have a little bit of an Irish culture in me as well, though we still stuck with the Baptists over there. But Irish Baptists are few and far apart, to be honest, and mo- we have to kind of import them from America. So my first Irish pastor was Canadian, and my second Irish pastor was Texan. (laughs) (laughs) Which made things really difficult for trying to learn an Irish accent. (laughs) So he just grew a beard instead. Anywho. (laughs) Yes, if you you, you ever get lost and can't tell the difference between us while we're talking to you, I'm the one with the beard. Indeed. I do not have a beard, the growth of which is nearly impossible for me. (laughs) So sad. I guess what is the purpose of this podcast would be a good thing to talk about at some point. Here. Definitely. So, James, you want to? Sure. We already talked a little bit about what orthopraxis means and orthodoxy and what we really are trying to get at here at a core level, but kind of expanding on that a little bit. This is kind of what I would call practical theology because it's really easy to get into academic theology, which. Paul said, knowledge puffs up, charity edifies. And, our, and edifying is to build up, to grow, to empower somebody to live more better. For those of you who don't speak King James, it's knowledge puffs up, but love builds up is what the, Edif- I think, and I, and that, and I, edifies said. and builds up <laughs> is the same. It's like, you know, it's the verb form of As edifice. As I said, for those of, uh, those of you who don't speak form King of James. Edifice. It's very simple. Yeah, because that's what people think about when they think edifice. Of course it is, absolutely. (laughs) Anywho, to use your word. Yep. (laughs) We're here to try and figure out how to make the conclusions that we derive from Scripture actually practical. Because we can go in the Bible and we can say, okay, this is what we believe about this obscure doctrine and that's really cool but if that doesn't change how we live our lives on a day-to-day basis even if it's indirectly because you can derive a practical theology from an impractical theology sometimes but you want it to come down to i want to live differently because of this i want this to impact my life in some way and i want to expand god's domain into my life and his control over every aspect of my life in some way through this new discovery. So when we're looking through scripture, we're basically mining for treasure, trying to find new things that we can apply to our lives and decorate it with. And one thing that comes out of that perspective is something that we're going to talk more about in future episodes, but might as well break it out of the box here, is pan-denominationalism, which is a word that I coined with a friend of mine uh, many years ago because we were looking for something that was not non-denominationalism. Because non-denominationalism tends to be very separatist in a way. Non-denominationalism is practically its own denomination. It is, yeah. (laughs) It's it's Baptist in denial. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) And you almost get this, at least I've experienced, almost like a snooty attitude of, well, we don't participate in 
this whole denomination business. And I think there's actually great value in denominations, in being able to explore things from a more common ground. But I think that what you need to understand when you're coming at a denomination, the true common ground that underlies all of the true denominations, because if it's not an actual domination, it's a cult. That's, just, that's yeah. where it really comes into the distinguishing factor. Because if you believe in the salvific gospel, the core tenets of truth and belief and obedience that make you a follower of Christ, that you, if you are going into heaven, if you are part of the body of Christ, you are a part of the body of Christ, period. You're not partly part, you're wholly part. And so is everybody else who believes in that same gospel. So if you don't believe that, then you're part of a cult or you're pagan or something else. But the point is, is that every single person who actually believes the gospel, regardless of their denomination, are all on the same side. And we're all seeking after the same truth because there is only one answer to the questions. There is one actual truth. There is one answer to the questions. And it is valuable to seek after that answer, to find those conclusions, to solve the riddles of doctrine, to try and figure out what the correct doctrine is in Scripture. And so it's not something that you can just set aside and say, oh, we don't care or all of them are true, as some of the ecumenical type movements do, or the universalist type movements do, we want to actually discover what the real truth is. But we're doing that together, because we're all seeking after that same truth. So we should all be converging on a single point, even if we're coming at it from a bunch of different paths and perspectives and angles and histories. Yeah, so basically the idea of pan-denominationalism is what goes above and beyond denominations, what links us all together, is Christ. Absolutely. And it's the idea of the the theological idea of the church universal. This is mm -hmm. the things that have unified the church throughout time and space and history. The original meaning of the word Catholic. Yes. <laughs> yes, but I don't speak Latin, so I just go with church universal. <laughs> that and works too. Because I'm, yeah. <laughs> Anywho, so, it's, uh, so the idea being that what you what we're looking to is what unifies us and how what unifies us as children of God as brothers and sisters of Christ as the bride of Christ what unifies us in that what we're looking for is that we're looking at how this is applied to practical theology how the theology of the church universal applies to our everyday lives, to what movies we watch, to what comic books we read, how we interpret fiction, how we interpret movies, how we... How we dress, how we cut our hair, yes. how we write books, how we go to work, how we make theologically money? correct for James to have hair that touches his ears? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All of this stuff is what we're looking Should for. Should I be showing my elbows? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is arm hair biblical? All these things we're going to be looking at through the lens of how does this connect us to the body of Christ? Yeah. How does this help us to grow in the knowledge and in the image of Christ? Because the image of Christ encompasses every aspect of our lives. And Jesus said that the best testimony that we can have is how we love each other. And he also says that love is the filling of the law, which is our instruction manual for living 
our lives. And so really, the best way that we can show love to each other, the best way that we can fulfill his greatest commandment is to understand how we should live our lives. That's the fundamental, most important part of doctrine, in my belief. And other doctrines that inform that doctrine are just as important. But then there's also things that don't really tie into that as much. And I think that's kind of what Paul is referring to, you know, striving about words to no profit. There's things that they're really cool to explore, to wonder about, like, will we wear clothes in heaven? Mm. This is a really fun and interesting question, but... Is it really all that useful? (laughs) Is it really useful? No, I don't think it is. And the question about whether or not it's useful is a practical question. Yes. Because that changes how we live, what we discuss, and what we prioritize in our discussions. That's a practical decision and understanding to come to. And that's one of the things we want to look at is through the lens of agreeing on the overall truths, the to use the old term, the biblical, the mere Christianity. Mm-hmm. When we're going from that, that's our basis, and then we're working our way down. There will be stuff we disagree on, absolutely. But where does that stuff fall? And realizing that that does not separate us as brothers in Christ, that it doesn't separate you from the Church of Christ. Whether you believe that women should uh, hair should never be shorter than their shoulders, or whether you believe that women need to wear head coverings, or whether men must wear their beards long, it this doesn't separate you from the body of Christ, even if we disagree on it. Absolutely. And what one of the things we wanted to do this in this podcast is look at all these different things at what you do in your everyday life, and how does that reflect on your theology or how does your theology reflect on what you do absolutely and and we're using a lot of examples of things that a lot of people might consider trivial but we're also discussing things like the sabbath what does that mean what day is it how are we supposed to honor and whether we should honor it and things like that that most people will often fight to the death over and have through the centuries and millennia But what's interesting is, I think, that God tends to not prioritize or categorize his law in the way that we tend to. I think that God does value our decisions to follow him in matters of dress and reading and recreation as much as in matters of worship. So people often will be divided over church organization, which is a practical theology matter. But then they won't really care as much about how much alcohol should be drunk. Or they should they would really care a lot about how much alcohol should be drunk and don't really care about whether they should wear head coverings or not. And throughout the years, throughout the history of the church, different things have been more contentious than others. But I think that in God's eyes, they're all parts of the true Christian life. Right. And that God has given us enough information about his desires that we should be able to look mm-hmm. at scripture and what, what he's done and how mm-hmm. he's shown us what to do, that we would be able to look through scripture and be able to use that as a lens to see how we should act. 
Yeah. And that's what James was talking about with the loving each other being yeah. being the fulfillment of the law. I think it was Ravi Zacharias who was listening to one of his things, and what he said is that Moses took the law of God and and it was boiled down through Moses into ten steps, mm-hmm. ten different things, the Ten Commandments. And then I think, what was it, David, it, David boiled it down to five. And then... Micah and boils it down to three to do mm-hmm. justly to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. God, and then Jesus comes along and the and one of the interesting things is that Jesus doesn't boil it down to just one. He gives us two. He says, "What is the greatest commandment? Is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. To love God." And then part two, and the second is like it, but to love your neighbor as yourself. And so what we're doing is as we as Christians are looking to fulfill that, to show our love for one another and for the world, we're looking at how do we love our neighbor as ourself in whatever circumstance we're in. When we go to the store, when we're doing work, how do you show that you love God and love your number as yourself as you're going and working at the office? You know, one thing that's really important that I think you touched on that would be good to elaborate on is that this is discoverable. There is enough information in Scripture for us to figure this out. Yes. The answer is there. The truth is out there. We can actually figure this out. The answer is not hidden or too far away. Now, there is sometimes, I think God likes setting up riddles for us to try and figure out because he gives more rewards to those who are able to figure out more of it, I think. There's a certain amount of a treasure hunt, like I was saying earlier to it. But that's one of the tenets of pan-denominationalism is that God didn't make it impossible to figure out. We can actually discover the truth of his doctrine. And because if, if we didn't, then once we got to the point where we had figured out as much as we could figure out, that we'd just be making things up and it would be up to our own wisdom to figure out how to live. And that's a problem. Right. And then, um, what is that? Second uh, Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness mm-hmm. So that, so that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good deed. The Bible is given to teach us so that we would be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not just for most of them, but mm-hmm. for everything. Yep. Which means if you need to be equipped for something, if you are unequipped to do a good work... Go to the Bible. Go to the Bible. <laughs> the Bible will tell you... The scripture will show you how to live your life, how to do a good work. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we're wanting to do here is we're wanting to tie back into the Bible and see how the Bible applies to X, Y, or Z, how we tie it all together. Because that is one thing that I've seen that comes up a lot is people see what Christ boiled down the law to those two commandments. And when he summarized it there with love God and love your neighbor, and they think that he was replacing the law with those two. And that's, I believe, a very 
wrong <laughs> and very dangerous yes. heresy, really, because you're basically saying, yes, we should love God and love our neighbor, but then you don't know how. You have no clue how. So you're actually very, very ill-equipped to actually fulfill either of those commands. And so because you're throwing out all of the rest of Scripture and all these other instructions. And when people try and bring them back in again and say, hey, here's what God said about how to live this particular thing. Here's the answer to your problem. And say, oh, you're being legalist. Right. But <laughs> what Jesus, what was actually happening is Jesus was summarizing yes. the law. When he said, the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. In this lies all of the law and the prophets. He was saying that all the law... And all the prophets were pointing them to how to do this. When the Ten Commandments, the first four, are all about how do you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm -hmm. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not take my name in vain. The sa the Sabbath is keep the Sabbath holy. Um, I'm missing one. Idols. Idols. You shall not worship any graven image. Those are all about how you show your love for God by treating God as the Lord in your heart and in your time and in your actions and in your deeds. And then the next six are about how you love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. You, the honoring your father and the mother, the not bearing false witness, the do not murder, you shall not steal. That's all about how we interact with those around us. Mm -hmm. The first four are the vertical, how we interact with God. The last six are the horizontal, how we interact with each other. And what we're looking at today is we aren't, me and James aren't here just trying to, <laughs> we're not going to come here and make pronouncements about how you should live your life. Because... Neither of us are qualified to play God in your life. Nobody neither, is. Yes. And neither are you. Yes. Ironically, only God is, is able to play God in your life. Go figure. And what we're here to do, what we want to do is we want to make you be able to think and look out and see how scripture and how a different, maybe different ways of thinking about mm -hmm. your different activities. Because there's a lot of different perspectives out there. And that's one thing I discovered when I was working from the, with the Messianics is that they come at the interpretation of Scripture from a very different perspective. They prioritized understanding the Jewish culture and the history and the Jewish roots of what Jesus was talking about. And the Old Testament law codes, the days, the times, the traditions, and the things that Jesus was refuting, and all of that context to try and understand what Christ was telling us. And yes, some of them get kind of crazy when they're talking about, you know, you have to use the name Yeshua instead of Jesus because you're saying Jesus, you're blaspheming. Things get kind of crazy there. We'll probably actually go into an episode on that. Sounds possibly. like KJV only people. <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's interesting. Some of the arguments are similar in some of the logic. It's kind of sad. Or lack thereof. <laughs> or lack thereof. <laughs> Which, that's, that's something to explore because that is a practical theology. But there was a lot of things that would get glossed over in, our, in, in my Baptist upbringing that were traditions and traditional interpretations of scripture that were not challenged. They weren't reconsidered. They, you, you read the verse and you get the message from it that you've always gotten from it. And then you come back to it from a different perspective and realize that didn't even say that. 
I'm adding things in here, just reading in them between the lines that were never actually there. And it's important to, to be able to talk to people who disagree with you and find out what are your best arguments. What, legitimately try to understand their, their position and their perspective and try to learn from it. Because it's, it's not a game to try and win. When you're in a discussion with somebody, particularly about, I mean, about anything really, you can't learn from a debate. The goal in a debate is to win. And so if you're going to win, you're not going to learn anything. And so in doctrine, which our whole goal is not to beat each other up, to compare ourselves among ourselves, as Paul said, but to actually come together to learn from Scripture, we need to not debate. We need to sit down and discuss and learn. And that takes a willing and a humble mindset to listen and say, hey, here's how I've read it. How do you read it? What other verses do you see that are in context with this verse that changes your interpretation? What am I missing? And there is always something that you're missing. Right. And you may not even change your mind at the end of it, but you may learn, oh, I actually think that my position is even stronger because you brought this other verse in here and I interpret it that particular way and I actually understand my own position better now. But sometimes you may go, wow, I was really wrong. <laughs> right. And what it what it comes down to kind of is the the question, does a fish know it's wet? Mm. And the obvious answer is no. In general, fish do not know they're wet. Why? Because their whole existence is water. Mm -hmm. They have no concept of being dry, thereby you cannot contrast being wet to being dry. We as humans know what to being wet is and being dry is because we experience both. But as... A Christian as yourself, you don't know what your subconscious biases are. You don't mm -hmm. know what you don't know what your traditions are until mm -hmm. someone challenges them. Yeah. You never think, oh, going to church you never think about whether going to church on Sunday is a tradition until somebody comes up to yeah. you and says, Well, I really think you we should do church on Saturday because that's more biblical. And you go, wait, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the first time you hear that, you're like, say, huh? Because it's it's a fish being taken out of the water and shown, oh, there is such a thing as dry. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what we're wanting to do here is we're wanting to give you, the listener, and us, the speakers, as different points of view so we can learn to look at our traditions mm -hmm. Especially Ste our practical traditions. <laughs> Step outside of our perspectives for a little bit. Yes. And maybe we'll understand ourselves better and be able to understand each other better and be able to communicate better. Yes. Be able to communicate our ideas, be able to communicate our positions, and be able to grow more into the image of Christ yeah. as we are refined, as iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. And what iron sharpening iron is, is it's knocking off the loose pieces, knocking off the excess until it's a sharp point. But it's not dueling. <laughs> yes. Dueling does not sharpen. <laughs> it does not. Strictly Trust me speaking, on this. it dings the sword. <laughs> speaking from experience, yes. sword fighting is fun. You do not sharpen swords by begging them on each other at first. So the, That's not the and goal. also, interestingly... They're both going toward pointing in the same direction yeah, when you're yeah. sharpening. When you're sharpening, both both of your things are in a similar vein. 
Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we're doing. Yeah. Is what we want to be doing is different we want to both be looking towards Christ, but because we're different people, we come at it from slightly different angles. So we refine each other's focus. Absolutely. And as we focus more on Christ, the more and the closer you focus on Christ, the more and closer you will be drawn together. Because the closer you get to the end point, no matter how far apart your starting points were, Mm -hmm. the more you can form your life into the image of Christ, the more you will be like your brothers and sisters. And that's what pan-denominationalism is, is realizing that we're all aiming for the same objective, except for the heretics, they aren't. But... (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But though, though we're fine with micro heresy. Yes, let's, 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 micro let's, heresy <laughs> is okay. You're slightly just because James has the wrong position on something doesn't mean I overly judge him for that. I will try to explain to him why he is wrong. But right. I understand that he is still seeking Christ in the same way that I am, and eventually he will become just like me, and then he will be all better. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yes. So. The point is that we seek Christ first and what we're and what the podcast is about is seeking Christ mm-hmm. above in our else. everyday lives together above everything else. Yeah. So making Christ Lord over our game playing, mm-hmm. making Christ Lord over the books you read, making Christ Lord over how we talk to each other, making Christ Lord over what food we eat which which is interesting because so many people really denigrate food choices i mean people people joke in in baptist it was a it was a common joke that i heard frequently from multiple separate baptists the three sacraments of baptists are baptism communion and potluck (laughs) <laughs> or or fried chicken if you're in the south, mm. and it's amazing. Up here it's called casserole. But. <laughs> or casserole, <laughs> and it's it's common because you'll see people who practically are gleeful about how overweight they are, and they make no attempt to bring God into control over their eating and their fitness. And there's there's something completely different from somebody who knows they're overweight and they know that they struggle with gluttony or with laziness or with health issues or whatever reason for it, and they're working to try and overcome that, and someone who just doesn't care, and that becomes an actual form of sin, I believe, personally, yeah. from, my, from my, my study in Scripture, because particularly if it's from eating too much, because Scripture actually talks about that frequently, that gluttony yes. <laughs> is a problem, oh. <laughs> instead of worshiping it as part of your church tradition. Yeah. Funny it's anecdote a about that, um, <laughs> what is it? Okay, so I may have the name wrong, um, I'm pretty sure it was Spurgeon, Spurgeon and D.L. Moody. Mm. And they were doing a speaking thing. I think Spurgeon was speaking in Chicago where D.L. Moody was. And so Spurgeon's there and D.L. Moody comes up and he points at the cigar in Spurgeon's mouth and says, that, sir, is a sin. And Spurgeon pulls the cigar out of his mouth and uses it and points at D.L. Moody's rather large girth and says, (laughs) then so is that, sir. (laughs) And just... As an illustration of the fact that we are so blind to our own faults. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it's, it is so common because we'll live our entire lives and we'll be so used to 
a certain set of sins, like I was talking about earlier, being called out and are, are fashionable for being preached against. But they don't really get taken care of. There, there was one anecdote. I, I believe this is actually true, though it might have just been a sermon illustration. You never know. That there was a preacher who preached on gossiping in his church. He gave us really ringing, resounding sermon against gossip. And then the next week, he gave the same sermon. And everybody's like, wow, our, that, that was, you know, pointed, you know. And then the next week, he gave the same sermon again. And they're like, maybe he's starting to lose it. Is, is he like getting senile here? He's losing his memory. He's lost it. Like, what's going on here? But they finally asked him by the fourth or fifth sermon or something like that. And they said, Pastor, you know you've done this sermon before. And he says, yep, I'm going to keep on doing it until you guys start listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, that is something that people struggle with, is gossiping. Especially and, in prayer meetings. That's what the prayer meeting is oh designed my goodness. for. <laughs> <laughs> my, my dad actually um, would remind my mom when she would go to her mother's group that she would go to, and he would teasingly call it her gossip group to remind her to make sure that it does not become a gossip group. And it worked. <laughs> because it is that is a tendency that, unfortunately, humans are really bad at. Oh, yes. Is gossiping. And it's, it's so insidious, and it creeps in in so many different ways. And I think it actually would be worthy of a whole other podcast. We're having a lot of sneak peeks here of all the different ones that we're planning on doing. On what is gossip? What does that actually mean scripturally? What counts and what does not count? Because a lot of people will justify it by saying it's just a prayer request mm -hmm. when it can be incredibly destructive and damaging. And just because you're saying that you're just asking for prayer for somebody does not give you license to gossip about them. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we can explore in this, and it's probably going to be, and we absolutely will. We'll have a lot of fun with it, and we'll be we'll be stepping on our own toes quite a bit here, I'm sure. Oh yes, <laughs> we'll get into some uh, hot dances here with with uh, some square dancing and whatnot, oh, yes. dodging our toes. And <laughs> but yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I, I really hope that you'll join us, and we'll make it ways for you to. Uh, chat with us and put in suggestions or ask questions or to call in and join in the discussion because like I said, we're not authorities on this. We're just here to learn because we learn by talking. Yes. <laughs> so we're here talking with you to try and figure this out and grow together. And we invite you to join us in our discussions. I think that would be it. Cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us, everybody. And thank you, Robbie, for joining me tonight. Well, thank you, James. <laughs> Look forward to doing this next time. Okay. God bless. God bless. God bless.